Welcome to the Simply Charlotte Mason podcast. I'm Sonia Schaefer. Have you ever been in a situation where your student is, seems to be stuck in a subject and you're wondering whether you should switch curriculum there? But then you know that jumping around to lots of different curriculum has its own set of problems. So how do you know when to stick with it and when to switch? That's what we want to talk about today. And joining me in this discussion is my friend, Amber O'Neill Johnston. Amber, have you ever had that situation? Oh, definitely. I mean, there have been so many times where I've, I'm second-guessing myself, wondering if it's me, is it my kids, is it the curriculum? So I think um, what, slowing down and being thoughtful about it before just making rash decisions has always been best for me. It seems like the discussion has a couple of different components. One is the actual curriculum. Is that what is on trial here? Mm -hmm. Or, as we were talking earlier, you mentioned some great things about it might just be lifestyle, season of life, how you're using things, what's going on in your family at the time. So where should we start? Well, let's start with the lifestyle okay. aspect of it yeah. and thinking about before we start digging into the curriculum, I like to look at and say, is it the actual curriculum that I need to question or evaluate or is it kind of what's happening in my family or in my home? So some areas, things that have happened for me where I've been like, what's going on? I don't know. We need to change something. Those are the times where we've been very busy, out of the house all of the time, very scattered. I'm rushing through lessons and feeling angst and frustration and stress, um, which is pouring over into what the children are feeling. They're not getting an opportunity to even assimilate the information that they're getting or the reading that they're doing, and we're just kind of rush, rush, rushing. During those times, I feel like things start to feel like they're falling apart, and historically, it hasn't, for me, been the curriculum necessarily in those times. It's more our schedule mm -hmm. that needs to be reined in and rearranged so that we can actually experience the fullness of the curriculum that we're trying to use. That's a good point, because Charlotte puts such an emphasis on digestion, that the ideas that the children take in need to be assimilated, digested, and you got to have time for that. Yes. There's no way around it. You can't no. You can't cut through it. And I, I think things sneak up on, I know for me, things sneak up a, a whole bunch of saying yes to one thing here and one thing there. And the next thing I know, we're just in a frenzy. Overloaded. Yes. Mm -hmm. Good point. Good point. What are some other lifestyle situations that you've seen that might affect how the curriculum, how it is effective in, sure. the, in the children's lives. I think whatever season of life that you happen to be in is very different, um, say, even when I'm pregnant or when I've been pregnant and not feeling well, feeling very groggy or not sleeping well with a newborn, mm -hmm. um, the multiple stages of my children and toddlers underfoot versus uh, having people who are all independent readers who can who needs a diaper change. I mean, during each one of these seasons, I felt that we need different things from the curriculum and we're able to use them in different ways. A lot of it hinges on my availability to be present in the room physically, that I'm not off, you know, chasing someone or changing a diaper or doing something, all important things that have to be done. So whether I'm in the room physically and also how alert and engaged I am mentally based on the amount of rest I've had or what else I have going on with maybe babies or little ones at the time. So what I'm hearing is that it's very important when you're in a situation where things just aren't, just aren't gelling, just aren't working right, you're struggling, 
What's important is to try and pinpoint why you're struggling. Yeah. Is it the lifestyle or is it the curriculum? And moving to the curriculum side of things, I think we need to dig even deeper into that why. Uh, yes, maybe we say, well, the lifestyle hasn't changed any. We're doing the time. We're putting in. The, we're, we're there with the children. We're doing things as we should. But if you say it must be the curriculum that's bad, before you throw it out, yes. I think it helps to pinpoint, okay, what about the curriculum is not working? In my mind, it's kind of like going to the doctor and saying, I'm sick. Heal me. Right. No discussion of symptoms <laughs> or how you're feeling. Yeah, this is true. Yeah. <laughs> so I think we need to figure out what symptoms we're seeing in the curriculum. Um, coming at it from that angle, really you need to decide, is it the content of the curriculum that is not working or is it the method, the methodology in the curriculum? I think that's a big one. Um, you know, in terms of content, of course, if the content is harmful or um, I find that um, a lot of things we're reading simply aren't true, things like that, it's very easy to see that maybe we want to move on. But I find that generally it's not that clear cut. And a lot of times for me, it's the methodology, um, how the lessons are being presented and so I think there the first thing to consider is, do I understand the methodology and am I faithfully implementing it? Um, because I think obviously a curriculum is designed by someone else and we might be like-minded, but have I, have I taken the time to really dig in and understand what the scope and sequence is and what the ideas behind the way the lessons are presented are? And am I able to bring that to the table to my family? So using it the way it was intended right. to be used, the way it was written, it, it'd be like, you know, using a table fork to dig in the garden. Right, right. It, it's not intended for that. So yeah, we've got to figure out how it was intended to be used. Along with that then, um, I, with my special needs daughter, I'm often looking at how fast or how slow yes. the curriculum goes and is it fitting her? So if the curriculum seems to be going too fast, you don't have to switch curriculum. You can just, okay, we're going to take this little bit now. We're going to stop here because she needs more practice right. and we're going to supplement. So we're going to slow down and supplement as we go then if the curriculum seems to be going too slow, mm -hmm. that's not usually my problem with my daughter, but yeah. with my other kids, sometimes it was. Sure. A lot of times you can omit the repetition that's built in. Yes. And some curriculum, hopefully no Charlotte Mason curriculum, <laughs> yeah. but some curriculum might just have busy work thrown in there. Yes, and recognizing that and being able to eliminate it, take, kind of take maybe what's good about the lessons and kind of set aside what's not, um, I think is a really important point because as we talked about understanding how it was intended to be used, part of that is so that you can use it that way, but I think part of that understanding is so that you understand what you can and can't change mm. without losing the integrity of the lessons as Good well. Point. Yes. So yes, being able to speed up. I You talked about supplementing. That's mm. I'm the queen of supplementing. And it's always <laughs> not always because there's something wrong with it, but I want to build in the things that delight my family maybe special interests that we have, things that are important to us. And um, so I would look at that and I, would, I wouldn't necessarily say there's something wrong with the curriculum, but I would say that there is something missing that 
probably only I could supply. And I think that's okay too. Yes. Adding in the, as you said, the delight yes. that, that will make the curriculum go to the next level. That's right. No, I think this brings up an interesting point. To many of us, we're looking for the magic curriculum that is the perfect thing to fit all of us yes. or to fit my family. And really, I don't know that there is such a thing out there. No, and I think just trying to get as close as you can to aligning with what you want for your family is really the goal, at least that is for me. And I know from the very beginning, I, I want to add other things in. I'm not necessarily on top of, sometimes I'm replacing things a little bit, but yeah, I want to add a little spice here, a little sugar there. And, and no other person, no other mom can say for sure exactly what will spark that um, delight and curiosity in your home. So I think that looking for any curriculum to be the end-all, be-all for everything that you want is going to be a little bit disappointing at times. So I think expectations um, go a long way when we're making these decisions. Yes. And along with, as you said, supplementing in, sometimes the way things are worded seems too advanced for our kids. I know this is a big question I get sometimes, is this book was difficult for my kids to comprehend. Um, do we just keep pushing through and hope that they will adjust and they will, you know, tweak their brain and pretty soon it will start making sense? For example, Shakespeare. Yes. You know, that's a good example. That's you know that can be yeah. that can be a leap mm -hmm. sometimes, but when you get into it, I was just watching Julius Caesar last night, mm -hmm. and as you get into it, the lines make more sense the longer you are immersed in them. Yes. So how do we know whether that's going to happen for our kids, or if they're just, you know, if if we've pushed it as far as we should, and we need to bail and use another book. That's really difficult. You know, Charlotte Mason talks about a mother's intuition at mm. times, and sometimes I think that we can maybe think that's not scientific enough. But at times I really do rely on that. I'm looking and saying, have we been faithful to the lessons, giving it time? Because like you, Shakespeare is a perfect example. The first time I sat down to read that with my kids, they were like, what are you talking about? I don't know anything. You know, they were laughing and giggling. And I, even I was laughing because it was funny that um, the lack of understanding was funny, but we just kept at it. And I think that's an example where we took smaller chunks mm. than what the lessons we were following had laid out to be read each time. We took it really small little baby steps and I said you know we may not get through as many plays but we're going to going to enjoy the ones we do and now they talk about them all the time and I think that my kids would tell you that they think it's funny that they didn't understand it all in the beginning so yes you are sometimes relying on your intuition and what you know about your children and the environment and trying to seek to understand whether continuing on could be helpful or harmful and I think with that women's mother's intuition, mm -hmm. how, where would you say the line would be in challenging our children mm -hmm. versus frustrating our children? Mm, that's so good. I spend a lot of time, I think, considering that question, right? Maybe it's different for each child. I think so. I think it's different for each child. I also think um, that 
I, I try to evaluate what are the behaviors. Um, if I see someone crying and getting very upset, I want to stop and talk to them. What are you upset about? One of my children, she will get very upset if something doesn't come to her right away. Mm. And it's because she is used to things coming to her right away. In that case, I'll slow down. We'll talk about it. But I do continue on because she always right on the other side of those tears is a breakthrough. And I just know that as her mother, that's what it's seen. If I don't continue on, she'll always stop at any um, sense, anytime she has a sense of frustration that something didn't come to her right away. Now I have another child who, when her tears, her tears mean overwhelm. She is crying because she cannot keep up and now she feels bad about herself. She's not meeting my expectations. She feels um, she feels bad about herself. There is not a breakthrough on the other side of that wall. So I, I think that trying to figure out, um, and it, it takes discussion. Let, let's talk mm -hmm. about this. Let's stop for today sometimes and let's talk about what it is that you're feeling. I see you have some big emotions. Let's talk about that. And I think that um, sometimes they do need to be uncomfortable, um, but not always. So is it discomfort or is it pain? Mm. For me, I want to avoid pain. I don't think there's a place for that in our home, but a little discomfort um, because I know what's on the other side of that for you, then I'm like, I'm kind of giving myself a little high five there. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, so wise and so important about knowing each child. And that's one of the blessings of homeschooling. If they were in a classroom with all these other kids, they could be pushed to that pain point yes. and no one would even know it. I know. Or they could not be pushed enough and they would always expect things to come easily. Yes. So, so important. It's very good. One more thing I think is important about the whole curriculum choice aspect here in discussion is if you do decide you want to change curriculum, I think it is not wise to just, you know, say, oh, let's see, that <laughs> one, you know? Yes. Um, I think it would be smart to sit down and say, okay, these are the things that are I have identified that are not working about the curriculum I'm currently using or the book I'm currently using. Yes. What would the ideal one look like? And write down the characteristics or the qualities or the features that you're looking for so that when we get frustrated, yeah. when, when we have the emotional uh, surges happening, we don't just potentially jump out of the frying pan into the fire. Yes, that's such a good point. I think like creating an outline of what your expectations are, what it is that you feel would be not the perfect curriculum, because we talked about that probably doesn't exist, but the, the best thing for your family. And then, you know, um, I, I think of it kind of like when we're buying a house, you know, you want mm. a certain type of pantry or, you know, you want to be able to park inside the garage or whatever is important to your family having that in mind um, and then going and looking and evaluating curriculum according to what you know your needs are um, and being careful not to look over at your neighbor because I think there's, I know I've had danger in that too. I'm thinking, well, that looks better than what I'm doing. Um, and it might, that might be true, but it looks better for her, um, but it might not be better for me. So I think having that outline of, of things to look for, things you're desiring, will help you stay true in your decision-making if you do decide to change. And just like looking for a house, you might not find everything on your list no. <laughs> in one place. Mm -hmm. So you need to be able to identify what are the non-negotiables right. and what are the, well, that would be nice yes. to add in. Yeah. 
Definitely. I think that's a, I think that's great advice. And um, I think that when you are careful and thoughtful in that way, it'll make it'll keep you from skipping around and, and kind of having a haphazard approach to curriculum or lesson planning, curriculum planning. But it'll also ensure that you are using something that works for your family. Thanks. You're welcome. If you enjoyed this podcast, subscribe through iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. You can also subscribe to the video version of this podcast or read the blog post on our website at simplycharlottemason.com. All of those links will be in the notes, along with links to any resources that I mentioned. Thanks for joining me. I'll see you next time.